0: hope so something's wrong with me. I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm not, not in the best mood. <clears throat> Started out with some jealousy or something like that or some competitiveness and then um, eh, everything else is okay. But then I worked kind of like trying to... See, I'm. this is not going to work for me. I'm in the wrong place. i got to get across the stage. I'm in the, uh, the river. all day I'm gonna try to find some shade and lay back maybe before I but go back to the camp. <clears throat> Seems rare though to feel safe to talk in this park where everybody's a tweaker, everybody's paranoid. I need a little shade and isolation but unlikely I'll find it. Might as well just get back to my camp. kind of feel like the the new trend is to like observe other festivals and just feel like maybe it's better to just go with them. Yet at the same time, I can't afford to. And so I'm like, eh, I'm going to keep doing my thing. I, I progressed a little bit into that. I was going to try to corral my friend again, but I saw him and what I did instead is I emailed the other guy that I want to meet up with, but I want them to meet up together and I'm not I'm not even capable of moving too much. So, oh, there's a nice bench over there. But, of course, I probably won't be able to use it. Everybody's going to think I'm a copper That's actually a really nice bench. I think i will move. yeah, once upon a time I was not so good this tweaker is just like creeping up behind me now. he's just like spoiling my mood Pretty much everybody's probably going to ask me for something, you know what I mean? So, you know, trying to get a spot in the shade is kind of rare. Or I'm overreacting. Oh, fuck. I don't know why I'm in such a bad mood. I mean, I usually just go to lie down. I just kind of, I don't really want to lie down right now. But I'll probably have to bolt in a few minutes. I wanted to just like listen to a couple of the old podcasts and then delete them and then have plenty of room on this phone. Yeah, I remember one time I was sitting in front of a church on um, in Echo Park and there was a power outlet there and I was charging up. And, uh, they told me I couldn't sit there and I was just like, why not? And, like, you'll give away all this or you'll give, what will you give away? or You'll make a show of it, I found out later. But you won't let a bum have three cents an hour of fucking power, which is like not even going to harm you. One time I went in there to look at the music and like, trying to jam with them and stuff, and, like, I was playing along at the piano, and I don't even think they mic'd it up. Whatever. The worst thing was that I saw this one bum, they had him on stage like he was all fucking back together again. And I saw him a week later, he's dirty as fuck and pushing a shopping cart again. They had him all cleaned up, and it was just like, oh, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Oh, I'm not really super worried about all that. I'm just saying it's, like, it's kind of crazy when people, like, won't let you have it up. A bit of thing unless you like obey their command I mean I really can't stop you from making songs with my own music I just put out some music XDRCFT I'm looking for collaboration to uh, come back at me and then, then I went to trending in here because I'm, I was looking for Bloomberg business I wanted to download the magazine the magazine had some cool articles in it I'm like I, I just can't sit here and read this right now you know, and it's like, I'm like, if only this was just literally like either a robot or a person reading this, it would be so much easier to consume. So much easier. I mean, what's reading for? I mean, if it's really, if it's an interesting article, they might as well just have someone reading it, better yet, like a robot, and then speed it up and just get all that information into my brain. And uh, what's the point of typing? And, like, I wonder, you know, the article, it might be interesting, you know, but I think there's, like, a takeaway, but I just, oh, yeah, they usually do those bottom lines. It was, like, along the lines of all the uh, topics I'm covering recently. You never know. I mean, after I contacted Bloomberg, like, a month ago, they might have started listening to me. I mean, I sometimes think I'm just so far ahead of all these people mentally and just the thing I'm lacking is like, I don't know, finance really. I'm going to eat some pizza and um, mm. Good. Listen to somebody else. So much screaming over there. Don't I have one of these guys?
1: No. well, we'll let these guys up. In this edition. Of the digital music news podcast when you're in a world where you have to potentially promote yourself you know in a post recording industry world one of the best ways to do it is to collaborate because every time you work with someone you get exposed to their audience and they get exposed to yours And I realized if you already had an audience and you went directly to that audience, and you said, okay, I will give you a behind the scenes, look at what I'm doing and give you things that the normal, you know, the average public would not have access to if you pay me <laughs> to uh, upfront essentially to make the record. And That was the basis of patron essentially replacing the record company or taking them out of the formula and allowing the artists to go directly to their audience to get funding for their projects.
2: Hello, and thank you for listening to the Digital Music News Podcast. I'm Noah, and today I had the pleasure of interviewing Todd Rundgren. Todd is one of the most important figures in modern music history. He has over 30 studio albums and has produced for bands such as the Band, Badfinger, The New York Dolls, Grand Funk Railroad, Hall & Oates, Meatloaf, The Tubes, Patti Smith, XTC, and countless more. Today, we get to take as deep of a dive as we can within 20 minutes into his prolific career. Todd, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It's really an honor to have you on the line. Oh, thank you so much. I wanted to talk to you just about all of the facets of your career within 20 minutes. So I'm going to try to cram a lot in there. No <laughs> um, so from the NAS to now you've reached so many different parts of music and I feel as though the, the variety of albums that you've created has been extremely diverse. So I'm curious what has been uh, sort of like the catalyst for change? What has allowed you to be such a shapeshifter within music? it's kind of what I grew up with Um, the Beatles were tribute in Minnesota, where I lived. Uh, You were doing a tribute with Ann Wilson, John Entwistle and Alan Parsons. I'm wondering what that experience was like to be able to uh, do a cover show for a band that influenced you so greatly. Well, I mean, that was a lot of
0: with the Beatles, Vip. God, I can't stand listening to the Beatles. Bullshit. I'm trying to get over the Beatles. Yeah, I don't know. I'm usually in what like a way more confident mood, but I've been having some kind of ambivalent thoughts recently. It was just like it all started this morning when I woke up and I read about this other festival, and like I'm nowhere near anything even really, but I don't want to be all pessimistic about it. But uh. Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering. I mean, the easiest way for me to dismiss what that one guy's done is that he's a drug dealer, and he hates Whitey. So it's really like two two things that I don't want. And the fact that like a thousand, hundred thousand people want to stare at him, I'm not surprised. I'm, not, I'm just not surprised. But it's fucked up and. Not something I want to have going on. So, and then, but with that in mind, I mean, with that, I also want to think, you know what? He's probably not that bad. You know, and like, he's probably just, he's doing his things good. He's inspiring. This one guy, famous guy. It's just, it kind of seems like the whole world belongs to him. The whole show business thing. And uh I guess I'm just not that impressed. And, if, you know, and then I'm a racist. Oh, I'm a racist. Okay, I'm a racist. But I think there's somewhere in between all that where the truth is. But, you know, I wasn't really born to be a fan, I don't think, you know. That's, like, pretty much what other people can do. I'm more into being a performer. So, lately I'm into being a distributor, I guess, of fucking physical talent, which is transporter and or organizer. And organization is just like my passion right now. Uh, oh, on the plus, plus side, I, I did like thumbnails, not thumbnails, but small images for all the movies that I'm working on, kind of. And it's almost like it's beginning to emerge to be like almost like a theater online, except the movies are free right now, but... Maybe in a little time I'll put them behind paywalls. Some of them are kind of behind paywalls. Or not exactly paywalls, but behind payment option. You pay me, then you get it. I was gonna have this contact me here thing, but I'm like now. You pay me and then like pretty soon I'll just have my address listed somewhere and I'll notice if I got paid, and then I'll publish. But it seems kind of crude, but it's like it's also just like inherently fucking easy to manifest. So this other guy might be in, I mean, I'm looking at his way, and it looks good, but I'm also thinking, eh, it's probably going to be way more trouble than it's worth for me to even try to do that. It seems like a good strategy, but it might be a lost thing partner thing I don't know I don't want to think too hard about it because like I hate being like all yeah I can kind of guess that even if I was doing it pretty good it wouldn't be that good for me and then I hate seeing that someone else just like winning everything and me feeling like how the fuck did they get to that I'm just feeling like yeah basically like a cock. Just like a fucking total total fool. But, you know, that's another thing. It's like, some of those guys, one of them's bankrupt. He's faking it. Another guy's just a shoe salesman, basically. And this guy's a hustler, but... I mean, you know, how much... How much do you really want to hustle? Like, I don't really want to hustle that much. I mean, I do and I don't. But see, that's the thing. It's like, I'm differentiating myself from him and, like, keeping myself static... As well as upset about it. And uh, I want to lighten up about that. And just not be so, you know, antagonistic. But I kind of feel the vibe, too. Like, I've seen him and his efforts. Like, how they produce. Like, it's not good. Like, the way that they try to get people to look like this thing. And it's like, I don't know how they're doing it. But I think it's called Jew plus black equals fuck whitey it's like the same thing it always is, basically. It's like there's a lot of that going on. And sometimes within the same person, like Jesse Smollett, maybe, if all that's true. But I don't really fucking care right now, honestly. I just want to lay back and not worry too much. I don't know if it's too soon to get into my... And grab my stuff, or otherwise I'll just be laying back. I kind of want to get my pillow. Oh, I got snacks over there. Nice. I think I can reach that from that. Oh, maybe I'll get it right now. Holy fuck! Really? Wow, they, they carved out the whole bag. Oh man. That's cracker. cricker. These animals just like literally ate the whole fucking bag except for the chips. Wow, that makes me feel bad. I think I did that wrong. Oh well. At least I'm not depending on to eat. There's just gonna be more snack. There's a garbage bag. Uh, I shouldn't make a mess. Um, oh, I got some water. Whoops. Fuck, I just threw everything over there out so I can lay back on it. I don't know, man. I don't even know why I talk sometimes. Maybe I pushed it a little too far today. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's because I have shoes on. No, but it always kind of happens around this time of day. I'm Just too tired to do anything else. So I was like, I don't really do much, you know. I wake up sometimes. I go to the library most of the time. No. Dude, I think it, like, really constricts my circulation. I don't wonder. Breathability.
3: Ugh. Yuck.
0: Ugh, like I wanted to map a route to, uh, Placerville. But, uh... I mean in my mind it's pretty easy. It goes Davenport, maybe the mountains, Bonnie Dune, then on to like San Jose, and then up to like, I don't know, Redwood City, Palo Alto. Maybe San Mateo. San Francisco, Oakland, East. Or North Oakland, somewhere around there. And Maybe on to Placerville, I don't know. like it doesn't have to be like some big old route that I finish either like it might just be over the course of a few years or a couple years or who knows Like I'm definitely not interested in sacrificing any safety chose to fuck with me, which is always a possibility, especially at this time of day. It seems like the wrong time to be here. Oh, it's already 4. Alright, if it's already 4, then I'm pretty much past 2 or 3. Yeah, I mean, it was a few nights ago, a couple nights ago at least. Well, it is Tuesday, so it would have been Saturday night damn it, Monday night, th- three nights ago, or two and a half days ago, I guess, by length of 24 hour. anyway, some motherfucker is chasing this woman right through here, and it woke me up, and I'm like, what the fuck, and I thought that I was about to witness a brutal rape, or like a murder or something, or who knew, I mean, I saw a man attacking a woman right in front of me, and he like punched her, and then he went going off back to where he came from, and then she chased him. And I was like, and after that moment, I was like, oh, it even crossed my mind. Don't white knight this, something like that. Or maybe, or just that idea of like, oh, if I, if, what am I to do? Like I'm supposed to jump in. And I was like, no, I got to hold back. I mean, I'm in bed for one thing. And like, this guy might be about to murder her. Like I have no weapons. But there was a part of me that was like, oh, I got to do something. And then there was a part of me that was like, not, not even like I got to do something, but maybe I should, maybe I will, maybe I could do something. And, um, I mean, if she would started screaming in agony, I don't think I would have been able to stop myself. I probably would have jumped up and just gotten involved just because I th- I think there's something innate within me that like, I can't stand that kind of thing. Like other people are that way too. That's like, if someone's really going to town and beating on someone like they're, they're going to jump in probably. It's just, it's almost like a lizard brain thing. On the other hand, maybe not. Maybe the Jews don't have that. I don't know. Maybe some people don't have that. Who knows? Maybe that got, you know, naturally selected out of their DNA along the way. Maybe they have less empathy. Or maybe it's all programming. Maybe it's all religio-cultural. I mean, that sounds absurd to say that. But just as a starting hypothesis, maybe other people don't have that. Maybe certain types of people don't have that. Maybe empathy is not something innate. And if you dislike what I said, well, go fuck off. Go fucking hang yourself. I saw a headline that said, Epstein, there's irregularities in his death. Also, I saw another one that said, prison guards and uh, warden have put on suspension while investigation proceeds. And that one of the guys was not a regular jail guard. But... That doesn't mean much until, you know, something happens. But irregularities on the front page, it said, of Mercury. San Jose Mercury, I didn't get to read that article, but I was like, and then I thought to myself, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't get that, because I wasn't really looking at news today. Sometimes my email, they put news in front of me, and, um, like, they put the article about him and the two guards and the warden, But as soon as I saw that other story, I was like, oh, fuck. How can I get the best source of news on a podcast? And I'm like, that's me. Like, I'm the one who breaks stories. Like, I'm a day late usually, but I still, I'm pretty much every day I'm breaking stories. Not breaking stories, but collecting stories. And putting them out every day on the podcast. But, you know, I don't know what show the headlines. I mean, there, there's probably some headlines thing out there that would say these irregularities, for sure. But I don't know what they're... what it is. Because that's, that's kind of what I'm struggling with. Is like I couldn't even think of a source to go to. Most of those branded Atlantic newspapers do shows, like, once a week that are just, like... First off, disinfo, usually. Or selective observation of irrelevant facts to many of these important cases. Because... What we want is, like, the, you know, the truth. We want the truth. and We want the fucking middle of it. You know, just get to the middle. Like, what's the most devastating factoid? Which I still think with El Paso is that, I mean, I'm waiting for more confirmation. It's hard to even get a source on that. But I've heard the same source refer as if twice. I think I heard the guy who interviewed the woman, maybe. Maybe. Who said there was four shooters there. And then owner of 8chan says that the shooter did not upload the manifesto. And he might be able to tell that by even, like, IP address or something like that. I don't know how he knows that, but I forget what his name is. Jim Watkins or something? He's in Philippines. And 8chan is still down. Which is fucking annoying. Not that I use it that much, but I fucking hate to realize that the story about El Paso is fake, and Cloudflare caved... And the truth is coming out that it's not what fucking everybody said it was. And the guy might be MKUltra. I mean, it's close enough that it's like, why not believe that? Besides, four shooters, someone else uploaded the fucking manifesto. I mean, it doesn't even matter if he is fucking MK Ultra. It's a false flag. So I do a hashtag. There's an El Paso false flag on Gab and, like, nobody... No, there's a, there's a couple people doing it, but it's not like... Gav isn't really excited, you know. They're not really doing a lot. Or the protocol is not very permissive. But Twitter, I just can't use Twitter because I don't have a telephone number. So they keep locking me out. Pretty sure. I fucking hate Twitter, by the way. But uh, I just made a new Twitter. And I put one tweet out. One. And it said NFCFACTS. And then poof, the whole thing is this is suspicious. And I put it on what's-his-jew, Rick Rubin's thing. And like now I go to this podcast catcher, and I go to Trending, and, oh, oh, Rick Rubin's podcast is trending. You know, it's like, oh, the Jews don't run everything. They don't run the top of all algos, and they don't censor their adversaries who aren't geolocatable. Or even just someone who's, like, putting out a little thing. It's like, oh, I didn't put out in a profile pic. Like, maybe someone... You're suspicious. Who cares if I'm suspicious? Especially if I'm not going crazy with the spam. But fuck Twitter. Fuck Twitter. That's a fucking ultimatum right there. Fuck them. Stupid ass Trump is like, a, oh, we're going to withdraw funding if Mitch McConnell's shit doesn't turn back on. And I'm like, god damn, I didn't realize they were paying Twitter. That's sick, dude. That's just... That means that they're, they're paying the system that is shadow banning them. Or, oh, fuck that, dude. What a scam, dude. Man, I'm not even having any of that. That's why I'm anti-federal right now. I'm just like, you can give me a fucking break. What a joke, dude. I'm not gonna watch the dog and fucking pony show if they won't let me log in. I mean, even for fun. It's like, that's not fun anymore. It's no, it's no fun. That means America currently is no fun. So have fun on Twitter with your blue badges, you fags. Fuck you. God, that's pathetic. It's not going to last either, because if they have disrupted trolls or anons or whatever, they're never going to have good source of contrarian rebuttal. It's going to be so tepid. If you enjoy, like, micro-fucking arguing with your, like, next closest partisan, it's just going to be, like, imbecilic... Concessuous ampl- amplification of useless ideology, essentially. Maybe not imbecilic, but just wordy fucking uselessness. Just like all that shit. Ugh. I don't even... I can tell. You know, it's just... It's. I can't even think of a near competitor that would have been similar, but... What happened to Dig? Uh-oh, some assholes out there. What, what happened to Dig. I think it was that they would downvote the conspiracy shit and then once I learned to just go to the bottom of the pile, that was where I knew I'd get the best links. And why the fuck did they turn it off? Like, I don't know. But Things get turned off. Tumblr got turned off, I think, or did it? I don't know. They couldn't handle anonymous accounts anymore. Something like that. I think anonymity is really the key to maintaining. A oh, this guy's been a carny, dude. Do I have his? I have his. Uh oh my God! I got his email too. His skills are cooking, framing, concrete, landscaping, roofing, tree service. Work experience. Job title: Carney. Company: Johnson's Amusements. Location of job, all over California. Build rides, operate rides, demolish rides. Landscaping, American Services, Sadler, Texas. Mowing, weed whacking, gardening, building, cross-tie, retaining walls. Railroad, surplus yard, scrap metals. Job title, cook. Company, Jeans Hamburger Harbor. Location of job, Gordonville, Texas. Prep cook, chili cook, or grill cook, dishwasher. References. Education. Fifth grade dropout. Wow. Man. Might as well just leave it off. And there's a big old scribble. I should fucking just take a picture of that. But it's kind of like co-opting this guy's... uh, What do you call it? His lack of education for my own... psyop. Why not? It's not quite so revealing. Okay... some palms on the back of it, but I got some chips, I got this corn muffin, I got two slices of pizza I just had another slice of pizza that I found it was really good and fresh had a little bit of pesto, a little bit of hot pepper, some cheese, and some soft ass bread, the crust was still soft It's good I'm just like really kind of emotional, I almost feel like I should just take a nap, but Like, I don't want to get stuck here, man. But this guy emailed me a free ride on Lyft, I mean, Lime scooters. And I'm like looking around, we don't have any Lime scooters. And I'm like, dude, they're going to MKUltra me into fucking Silicon Valley. I don't really think that guy's MK Ultra, but somehow he like hacked some ride out of fucking Lime. Lime scooters and I'm like, that actually sounds fun, like if I get over there, so well anyway I have it in my pocket or in my bag. Where's my oh, I almost forgot my bag? Uh, uh I just feel like oh, I'm so nice and relaxed now. My fucking shoes are off and laid back. I've been enjoying season two of Downton Abbey. <laughs> I kind of had a funny, um, if you watch that show, like I'm just now watching it for the first time, 2019, but, oh, a succession should be out too. Oh, if I go back, maybe I'll, I bet you it's out now, or at least season one. I don't know if they batched dump release the entire season. Uh, yeah, there's a little moment where I, the guy Bates, that the, the one mate is in love with, he pops up all of a sudden. And I'm like, the fuck? Bates already took off with his old wife. And all of a sudden he just pops up, and I was like, what? This is a continuity fucking problem. And then I realized that I was watching all the episodes and I had skipped ahead on accident. Because I, I watched so much of it, like the whole season I downloaded, first season, now I'm on second season. And last season, I would delete the episode, and then the next one would pop up automatically in the folder. And this one, like, it accidentally skipped two episodes for some reason. And so I was watching the wrong episode, and he popped up, and I was just like, oh, motherfucker, you are not allowed to be in this fucking timeline right now. What are you doing here? He's just back there, like, oh, I'm Bates. I have the pleasure of being so gentlemanly at all times. I say the most refined things. I have the most gloss. I'm Bates. Oh, there's some fat blackberries out there just waiting for me to go pick them. I hope I don't have to deal with any <coughs> today. Oh, fucking shirt. I don't want to complain too much, but. I have no idea if anybody's ever going to hear this anyway. Like, I've been doing this show for a while now, and I can't tell if anybody's listening. Oh, actually, that reminds me, because I saw that it looks like I have, like, one or two listeners from Germany and Poland. And I'm like, oh, it's probably the Nazi thing. Or the the Jew suspicion stuff. Uh, And then it looks like one of the episodes, uh, louder... Epstein and so and so did 9 11, which is a total stretch of the imagination, but actually, Louder is not. Ronald Louder. Epstein being involved, if he knew Louder. I mean, there's some, you know, criminal shit going on here. It's major. Co opting of fucking Atlanticists, anyway, so not really unlikely. Oh, but it was just a stretch of the imagination meant to provoke thought, really. And uh, the episode is probably unrelated, but just contextual, kind of. I may have referred to that or not, but the title was a summation. That's what I do when I make fake news, is I just basically try to make the story that I was looking for and just wonder. And I I don't care about reputation and authenticity there, because we're like in a post-truth. or The psyops are so deep that other people can be like... You know, reporting absolutely solidly. I'm more for, like, provoking thought. Basically. And accelerating more investigation into areas so we can actually get some facts. But I don't really have an audience at all. Or maybe I do. Well, if you're listening, thanks for listening. And, uh, you can leave a, you can leave a voice message that I'll publish, and, God, I'm fucking really brain dead, I'm low energy right now, why don't I just listen to someone else, and then uh, I'll just eat or something, I mean, I usually need to take a nap, or sometimes I need to take a nap, obviously, I'm fucking out of, out of it.
4: following program is made possible by the faithful prayers and financial support of listeners just like you to find
5: out how you can help visit www.truenews.com question what's it like to visit jeffrey epstein's new mexico sex ranch we're
6: going to find out today on this edition of true news
0: Oh, my buddy must have been listening to this other one. Because he told me that Hollywood just put out a thing about slaughter of Trump supporters. Let me listen to this one.
4: The program still. is made possible by the faithful prayers and financial support of listeners just like you. To find out how you can help, visit www.truenews.com. Question.
6: Is there a vast network of radicals plotting a Jacobin bloody revolution in America. Stay tuned. We're talking about it on this edition of True News.
5: it's thursday august 8th 2019 and these are your uncensored news headlines we have breaking news this evening from norad which says two american f-22 stealth fighters and two canadian f-18 fighters intercepted two russian tu-95 bear nuclear capable long-range bombers off the coast of alaska According to NORAD statement, the Come intercept on, happened bro. 200 miles off the western coast of Alaska in the Alaskan and Canadian Air Defense Identification Zones. Now, the aircraft never entered U.S. or Canadian airspace. This is the latest of nearly a half dozen similar encounters this year mm. alone, and it comes just days after the U.S. terminated the Intermediate-Range Nuclear Forces Treaty with
0: Whatever.
6: Trump supporters, Yes. That's the truth. confiscate our firearms. Why don't we confiscate Hollywood? Why don't we confiscate their film lots and their studios and shut it down? Why don't we just do it? Why don't we? You want to come and confiscate my guns? How about we come to Hollywood and confiscate your film studios? I'm serious. This is about murdering they've people. They've weaponized that, haven't they? Yes this is about murdering people. Don't give me that anti-Semitic garbage. I'm fed up with it. The Roberts' own Comcast cable, which richly ill, convinced that he is the man when he's to vote for Barack Obama. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. True News is financially supported by the donations from our audience. The alarming disintegration of American society and the rapid movement toward revolution makes a request for funds to continue operating this ministry similar to the captain of the Titanic reminding passengers that the snack bar is still open. Those of you who get it, you get it those of you who spiritually discern the lateness of the hour and the deepening darkness in our society will respond without me saying anything. Our topic today is the growing likelihood of a bloody Jacobin-style revolution in America in the very near future. I traveled to Kenya Multiple times in 2008, the U.S. presidential race was underway with Illinois Senator Barack Obama as the leading candidate to replace President Bush in 2008. The previous year, Kenya was ripped apart by horrific fighting among its citizens over the outcome of their presidential election. Barack Obama's cousin, Rayella Odinga, a communist, lost the race for president, and his supporters went on a rampage and killed and wounded Kenyans who did not vote for Mr. Obama's cousin. They also burned down churches and houses and stores. I personally saw the devastation. I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ in an open-air meeting one night in Eldoret near the Uganda border and hundreds of Kenyans Men, women, and children repented of their sins and believed in oh, the name of Jesus Christ that night. Feed a year after the election riots, there were still at least 10,000 Kenyans
7: bitch, who lived no in Eldoret,
6: still living in tents. Oh, when I on. was there, because they're a frequent meddler in Kenyan politics, Uncle Obama, stirring trussons were at each other's throats. I Activity. That's sweeping across America's cities. Mr. Obama's main goal is as though they are human trash. That movie. That's right. They'll make sure it is the French Revolution, which is coming to America very, very soon. And rich, powerful Jews are telling you to. They told trying for years, and I'm, I'm being as open as I can. The Jews are plotting joke. This isn't satire. Conservative, Christian, rural citizens in this country that's no joke the jews of hollywood spent tens of millions of dollars to produce that movie which one this is not a joke this isn't satire they're sending a message rural citizens in this country i've had enough who are
1: these people for sport is incredible
8: They can't argue with that
6: did you know they was lying?
8: Well, this ain't Arkansas, so this state Arkansas.
6: Elvia, the Hunt will be released on movie prompted Universal today to pause. Just don't produce vile, bloody film. I asked it for saying that Universal Pictures and Blumhouse Productions family found twelve strangers who mysteriously wake up in a forest, and talk motivated others to speak ill tens of millions of law-abiding American citizens as though they are human trash. Clinton called Obama's aim is to instigate a revolution. Mr. Obama is a Prince Hall Freemason. During the bitter and contentious 2016 campaign, Hillary Clinton called Donald Trump's supporters deplorables. Her trash talk motivated others to speak ill of tens of millions of law-abiding American citizens as though they are human trash. Now, Universal Pictures has produced a film called The Hunt, and it's about rich urban leftist elite in America hunting down rural American citizens like their animals. The hunt centers around 12 strangers who mysteriously wake up in a forest and discover they're being hunted by rich elites. Jason Blum, a Jew, produced the film for Universal Pictures, which is owned by the Roberts family, who are also Jewish. The Roberts own Comcast Cable, which owns Universal. Of course, I will be blasted for saying that Universal Pictures and Blumhouse Productions are owned by Jews. Now, if they were owned by Amish, I'd tell you that too. But they're not Amish. And the Amish don't produce vile, bloody films that promote murdering innocent people. Mm. Jewish Hollywood makes those kind of movies. Uh Public outrage over the movie prompted Universal today to pause, just pause. It's marketing until things calm down. The Hollywood, Hollywood Film Company, however, has no intention of canceling the film. The Hunt will be released on September 27. Here's the trailer of The Hunt.
3: Hey there. you? What state is this? Sorry. You don't understand the question? Oh, no, I didn't. Most people know where they are. Why
8: well, most people? You're in the glorious state of Arkansas, sweetheart.
7: How'd
1: you know they was lying?
8: Well, this ain't Arkansas, so everyone is lying.
4: Your idea is incredible.
8: I can't argue with that.
4: We pay for everything. So, this country belongs to us. It's just business. Haunting human beings for sport. They're
8: not human beings.
3: <laughs> Every year, a bunch of elites kidnap normal folk
1: like us. Where'd they get you from? Wyoming, Mississippi, Orlando, and hunt
8: us for sport. Hurry, hurry, hurry up!
3: No, oh, it's true. We're being hunted. Hey! What are we wait for? What is happening?
8: Put him in the back with the rest. What was that? I
1: think that was a rifle. <laughs>
4: come on, everybody get out of here! <laughs> Jesus! Come on! <laughs> see? Who are these people? How are they getting away with this? Oh, you, you have no idea what you're up against. They're playing you. We'll so a- pieces. We'll see.
6: Sick. Disgusting. It's time to shut down Jewish Hollywood. Shut them down. I've had enough of it. Fuck them. I've had enough of it, Doug. It's time to shut down Jewish Hollywood. They're talking about murdering conservative Christian rural citizens in this country that's no joke the Jews of Hollywood spent tens of millions of dollars to produce that movie this is not a joke this isn't satire they're sending a message get ready to kill conservatives I don't know what to say to you people anymore I've been trying to warn the people what's coming I've been trying for years and I'm, I'm being as open as I can the Jews are plotting a Jacobin revolution in this country. If that hasn't convinced you, what will it take? Next year when they're shooting you, are you going to say, they told us, they told us they were going to do this. This is a Jacobin revolution. Jacobin. It is the French revolution, which is coming to America very, very soon. And rich, powerful Jews are telling you to your face, we're going to hunt you down said doc they'll make sure that the trump voters never do it again right. i've been mocked for years for warning that this revolution is coming i didn't make that movie the jews in hollywood made that movie That's right. it wasn't made by presbyterians it wasn't made by roman catholics it wasn't made by methodists it was made by elite rich jews who hate christians And I've had enough of it. And there needs to be a pushback against them. I'm not going to sit here and let these people put these thoughts in the minds of their crazy followers to go out and start shooting conservatives. This is real. This is a serious threat. Comcast.
0: Who's going to watch that movie?
6: Owned by the Roberts family. I mean, I'll watch
0: for it, but I'll probably watch it, but I'm not going to pay for it.
6: Universal Pictures. It was also in cooperation with Blumhouse Productions, which is Jewish, which has a history of making other violent, bloody movies. The whole Purge series.
5: You know that series uh, that showed basically a, a period of time legalizing murder for individuals in a country, especially America, to go out and kill not only political opposition, but people they disagree with religiously. And, so and, dr- and it inspired people to kill. That's right. There was a man in Indiana, Mr. Cruz, convicted of a three, time, a three, uh, three slayings and has a three-time consecutive uh, life sentence for this. He said to the judge, he he was inspired by The Purge, produced by Jason Blum's Blumhouse Productions. So they oh, want to
6: confiscate our firearms. Why don't yeah. we confiscate Hollywood?
0: But they want to fucking continue to make this Why shit. Why don't we
6: confiscate
0: their film lots and their studios? Why don't we just not work shut them it down? them
6: ever again? Why don't we just do it? Why don't we... You want to come and confiscate my guns? How about we come to Hollywood and confiscate your film studios? I'm serious. This is about murdering people. They've weaponized that, haven't they? Yes. This is about murdering people. Don't give me that anti-Semitic garbage. I'm fed up with it. Rich, powerful, wealthy Jews produced a movie telling people go kill Trump supporters. Yes. That's the truth. That's the truth. They own any violence that happens That's
5: right. this movie series. They own any of the individuals that are murdered because of this
6: deeply, satanically inspired piece of production. If you have Comcast cable in your home, you need to cancel it right away. Cancel it. Stop giving those people money. There you go. You're giving these synagogue of Satan devils. You're giving them money yep. to produce the filth that's rotting our society and promoting bloody revolution in this country.
0: Yep. I'm not going to
6: be quiet about it. I don't care what they do to me.
0: Well, you're just promoting it, right?
6: I'm 66 years old this month. I don't care what you're going to do to me. I am not going to be intimidated by devil worshipers. I'm a child of the Most High God. I have the blood of Jesus Christ on me. I am saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and I am not going to be intimidated by the synagogue of Satan. We see revolution in Hong Kong, we see people here in America calling for revolution. Yes. It's the same people, same spirit. it's the same spirit in the same people. Yes,
0: who knows? All
6: they do is foment uprisings mm. and revolutions. Arr. The greatest cause of social unrest, civil unrest in the world, in the world history a long history of it. <laughs> Ruling by causing wars and unrest and revolutions. And then coming in and cleaning up the mess for themselves. Well, Universal says they're not... They're not going to pull back. They said they said it's a satire. Were you laughing in that no, movie? It wasn't. didn't seem to be a satire to me. So. What's, what's humorous about it? Nothing.
5: Not a thing. And they're not backing off on the release of the picture. The only thing that, in fact, they'd be in full marketing mode this week if it hadn't been for the uh, pushback from people because of the El Paso and Dayton shootings this week. Well, according to Yahoo, uh, one uh, Universal uh, Studios executive said that uh, this movie is is meant to show what stupid, crazy, uh, you know, basically status of the world we live in, and that it might now be even more powerful to show the movie. They, They want to continue with this release, because they think it's more relevant than ever to show and depict this uh, torture porn. Now, that's what it is, Rick. This is torture porn. Someone going to this is getting not just an adrenaline rush, but they get to experience, fantasize, about something that's been talked about by commentators dating back to Kathy Griffin. Or, let's say, let's just put this on, dating back to the Jacobin Revolution itself. It's the same spirit. Absolutely.
6: And, uh, so troubling. I'm out of words. I'm. I'm fuck, how do I keep
0: saying this? What what other words do I use? Fuck the Jews. people your country has been taken from you. Going no, it to hasn't. Kill you. <laughs> <Are you laughs> no, words? they're not. The people living right on your street. Because this isn't the beginning of the
5: revolution. We're in it? These minds were 20 30 years ago. They're grown up.
6: They're my age now, yes. and they're being told. And they not were indoctrinated in the in the socialist school system that we paid
4: for and allowed no, them I to didn't. take over the schools
6: and the colleges. Uh-uh. And then we wonder, well, what? How, how could this happen? How could how could a bunch of twenty and thirty year olds commit mass murder? Because you allowed them to be educated by Marxist communists. Yeah. By God hating revolutionaries. That's true. That's how. And so this is normal. You've allowed your children and grandchildren to go to movies made by these filthy vile Jews in Hollywood who do nothing but promote blood and gore and wickedness and become richer and richer and richer and you wonder why your grandchildren and your children don't go to church anymore because you allowed them to be in, to be their minds to be filled with devils. That were transmitted through the TV screens and the TV sets. Oh,
0: yeah. More. And now, Simpson
6: is ready to do mass slaughter in this country. All right,
0: well, I'll be sure to watch that movie. Thanks. Come on,
6: let's just say something about me. Bring on this fight. Give me all the publicity you want to give me. Because I won't back down. I don't back down. You can't scare me. You can't intimidate me. I won't back down. I talk about a sign of this cross. We will conquer the leftists because you're not politically left. You are without eyes. You are demonic. Yes. You are under our feet because Satan was defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will not be intimidated by this open display of Satanism in this nation. This is not political discourse. This is Satanism. I can't imagine a same society having this kind of conversation. This society we've in. the we this conversation. I know each week when I think we've gone to the limit. The next week starts oh, We're bit right, further. This idea of the rich hunting down humans. We touched on this. Barack Obama, as I earlier, weaponized political speech in America. By the time he left the White House, everybody was to destroy the Roman Catholic Church. They Freemasons so the Freemasons came in from Scotland and Great Britain and other countries to be part of the French Revolution. And but by, I mean, without doubt, their opponent, their enemy, was the Roman Catholic Church. And they killed thousands of priests. They burned churches. They destroyed, they desecrated churches, defiled them, right? Yeah, as part of the Satanic Freemason-Jacobin Revolution. But they they said, they openly said, we are replacing Christianity with a new state religion. Right. But do you know what they, how they defined the state religion? State-sponsored terrorism. french it Yes. Yes. That was their new religion, state-sponsored terrorism. And what did we see in the 60s, the 1960s, in, in Europe? And we saw the, uh, the, the, you know, the uh, Operation, Operation Gladio. And, after Operation Gladio, you had other
5: micro-terrorist organizations, especially in the East, and you look to America, the Weather Underground, led by Bill Ayers, Barack Obama's main mentor. I mean, really, if you look at this, this is just another iteration, another attempt, but on a much larger scale, so many different industries, to
6: cause an uprising. The, one of the controversies in Israel right now, this week, is a, in East Jerusalem, a Palestinian Arab was featured on a a Israeli uh, reality show, kind of like their cops show, right? And so the Israeli cops raided this man's house. He's an Arab-Palestinian in East Jerusalem, and they found an illegal gun in his house. Of course, Palestinians are not allowed to have a gun, right? So they found a gun in his house. They just happened to have cameras with them. I mean, the the police raid had a film crew with them. Now, when the raid was taking place, they told neighbors and others that the purpose of the cameras was to to protect the police that the, uh, the Palestinians didn't uh, hurt the police or didn't do anything, again, make false accusations. What has now come out this week in Israel is that the Jerusalem police planted the gun in the home of the Palestinian Arab and brought the film crew. The whole thing was part of a TV show. Oh, that's propaganda. Yes, literal propaganda. By The Jerusalem Police Department, working with a Jerusalem film company, they planted a gun in the home of a Palestinian Arab. They were going to send that man to prison just for a TV show. How much of that stuff do you think is going on in this country? How much of this is going on in this country? Fake, absolutely fake. It's revolutionaries working with Hollywood, working with government agents, producing fake stories to do what? Set the stage to come after you and me. I mean, how, many, how many people have contacted us this week from El Paso with first-hand accounts that people in El Paso know that there were three shooters in black? All right. We've had multiple emails come into us. It's obvious there were three shooters in El Paso, but that's not the story we're told. What was in El Paso? An American ergan. Ergan didn't disband in 1948. It's still operating. We now have Ergan kill teams moving through America, setting the stage for revolution in this country. And they laugh in our face by telling us these ridiculous stories of kids who were
5: hungry, getting lost in El Paso, going in for chicken, and just decided they want to go to Mass shooting. Yeah. That's the official story. You know what they also said today? That, uh, the mother of Mr. Uh, Kursias, she called the FBI. She called the police and, and tried to warn them about her son. If that's
6: true, why do we need the new gun control laws Because the, the government's not even and the very tips they're getting. How many times have they... People in Fort Lauderdale call the police about that. Twenty-two times. Twenty-two times. The times? Nicholas Cruz came to harm a sheriff. Shoot a sheriff. Was it? But when the shooting That's was right. taking place, the police wouldn't even go into the school. That's right. He's a prosecutor for that now, and we, yeah, have and we have eyewitnesses. Students who said there were multiple shooters in Parkland. One who knew the accused shooter, talked oh, to him right. while the shooting was taking place, could hear gunshots, and she's talking to
5: the alleged shooter. And how many of these shooters over these past several years have we heard the story? They were on the FBI watch list or on the law
6: enforcement watch list. No, they were watching. They're watching them shoot people. No.
5: Well, think about this: in every one of those cases that you just mentioned, let's so Las Vegas. There is HD, four K, eight K video of every square inch of that attack,
6: that shooting, that terrorist incident. We never get to see it. Why is that? They could easily prove us uh, conspiracy theorists wrong if they showed the video. But they never do. Of course not. They can't show it because you would see how the whole thing came down. Look, here at true news. We do not advocate violence. Never, ever. We do not advocate taking up arms. But I also do not advocate stupidity. And when people, powerful, rich people, are making movies suggesting that people like me should be murdered, shot down like a, like a deer in a field, I take it very seriously a sane society, a civilized society, would put that company out of business. Comcast should be shut down. Universal Pictures should be shut down. Blumhouse Productions, shut down.
9: They're shut down, okay. bro.
0: It's already over. It's only a bunch of slaves watching their own fucking death.
9: Tuning into the 293rd episode of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards Podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is one of the funniest actors and also one of the most talented directors in Hollywood, and he has been for some 30 years, Ben Stiller. The 53-year-old son of Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira, one of the great comedy teams of all time, got his first gigs as a performer, but always aspired to be a director. The Ben Stiller Show, a half-hour variety sketch program that had a couple of incarnations in the late 80s and early 90s, was short-lived, but allowed him the chance to do both, as well as writing, for which he received an Emmy in 1993, and then a host of other opportunities. He directed and played supporting parts in 1994's Reality Bites, an indie sensation, and in 1996's The Cable Guy, a big-budget flop. In 1996, he also played a small part in Happy Gilmore, opposite Adam Sandler, and a big part in David O. Russell's Flirting with Disaster. And then he was cast, with great reluctance on the part of 20th Century Fox, as the lead of the movie that made him a star. The Farrelly Brothers' There's Something About Mary, which came out in 1998 and became a global sensation. Ever since, Stiller has had conflicted feelings about his career. He is best known and most often wanted for broad comedies, having starred in many, including Meet the Parents in 2000, Zoolander in 2001, Along Came Polly in 2004, Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story, also in 2004, Starsky & Hutch, also in 2004, Tropic Thunder Thunder in 2008, and Tower Heist in 2011, plus a couple of kid-friendly franchises, which originated with Madagascar in 2005, and Night at the Museum in 2006. But he does
4: my favorite movies, yeah. and, and then at that time, every actor my age was going in for all of these Vietnam films, right. basically, so it was an idea that I had, and then sort of gestated for a while. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that, um, yeah. but the thing that I guess really started the idea of you
9: being a filmmaker in a way that other people acknowledged was during
4: this Broadway show, what were you doing when you weren't on stage? Right, so... I had a a small part in the play, I had a monologue at the beginning of the second act, and I spent a lot of time off stage, and became friends with John Mahoney, who was the lead, and he won a Tony for that performance, he's an amazing person and actor, and he let me do this sort of pseudo-documentary about him called A Portrait of the Artist as an Old Man, which was basically he was because he was the nicest guy in the world and everybody loved him and he was just so generous so he decided to play the the meanest most self-involved backstage (laughs) persona it was sort of just the sort of antithesis of who he was and so i did it with a video camera backstage and everybody in the cast participated in (sighs) interviews about him and how Mm -hmm. horrible he was to them and and then i edited with two VHS machines. So, you know, back then, if you wanted to edit VHS and you didn't have an editing system, you just like record one piece off of one tape player and then put the other tape in and then record another piece off it. And then I showed it at a party. We had a cast party and it got laughs. And I remember having that feeling of, oh my God, this is something that, you know, this feels good. This is fun and people are enjoying this and I love doing it. So that was probably the first time I really thought I could do this something I would do all the
9: time. I guess another thing that came about as a result of House Blue Leaves was Mr Spielberg saw you, so that's how you end up in Empire of the Sun? Yeah,
4: it was pretty amazing because he was my favorite filmmaker <laughs> as a kid. Yeah, from what you were saying about yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he came to the show and he was casting Empire of the Sun and I got a call to meet him, to go meet him and to meet about playing this part this character dainty which is a small part in the book and so i read the book and then had a meeting with him at amblin in la which was just you know i was terrified and he sat and talked to me for about 20 minutes and said uh yeah you know uh i think you know i think you might be right for this um you think you could lose a little weight maybe because you know the prisoners were and i was like yeah yeah i could do that but <laughs> <laughs> you want yeah, right. um and then i left and i was like all right well like i said an audition is gonna happen there's no audition he called up the and said yeah we want him wow which blew my mind and, and it gives an actor a young actor so much confidence that a director will hire you without an audition um and then i went and lost about 35 pounds <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. i showed up on the set and i said hi to him in spain we we're in spain and uh and he looked at me and said, "Oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> what happened?" I said, "You said to lose weight." <laughs> right, right, right. Oh um, and of course, we were there in Spain for like two and a half months and had amazing craft service. But by the time she <laughs> was over, all of it the all prisoners it had, had gained their weight back. <laughs> Is it true that he allowed you to sort of shadow him as a director? <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, he was very, very generous in, in allowing. I think anybody who's interested in filmmaking to kind of have that you know the feeling they come up and ask him questions and he would tell stories about making you know if you ask him a jaws question which was amazing and then I had done this little short that was a takeoff on the color of money my friend Ralph Howard and I and Steve Klayman and so we made this short and I showed it to him and he looked at it and he gave me some feedback on it and uh which was amazing and then yeah and I just kind of yeah watched as much as I could and I had the most horrifying moment in my career ever where I actually yelled cut during a shot because <laughs> there was a long steady cam shot that we were at the end of uh, that started on Christian Bale coming through this barracks and got to John Malkovich and I was standing next to him and I had one line because I only had like three lines in the whole movie <laughs> and I screwed up my one line and I'm like oh man I'm sorry cut <laughs> and, <laughs> which is, there was silence yeah, and then I heard from like way off where the monitors were what? <laughs> what'd you say? And I was like, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I said, cut. He's like, you never yell cut. (laughs) If I had ever imagined that I would say cut on a Steven Spielberg, Spielberg. I mean, that just shows you how nervous I was. Oh my God. Um, Well, the other (laughs) film that you just mentioned you made, The Hustler of Money,
9: that also led to something. So this stuff that you're basically doing on your own time just to, I guess, be creative and explore your interests, those projects were resulting in real things. In this case, how does Lauren Michaels find out about that?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I was making these little shorts just because when you're not working this, you're trying to figure out a way to self-generate, to kind of to do something, to you know be creative and, and try to move forward. And I'd made that short with the money that I'd made in the play, the little money I made in the play, but it was at the time enough to make a 16 millimeter film so now we graduated to <laughs> a 16 millimeter flatbed editing machine and there was a great documentary filmmaker who lived in my building named Dick Young who allowed us to use his flatbed machine to cut it and John Lovitz had come to see a- the play House of Blue Leaves and I reached out to him and asked him if he could bring the tape to Saturday Night Live and he literally met me in the lobby at 30 Rock and took it upstairs and well, the reason I think it's important to point out because like, SNL viewers
9: of the last maybe few years would not necessarily know about Albert Brooks and what he w- had originally been doing on the early SNL stuff where there were short film elements now I guess it's sort of come back with like dick in a box and stuff but the idea that you wanted to go to SNL is because you wanted to essentially walk in the footsteps of Albert Brooks right
4: yeah he was my <sighs> filmmaking hero and you know, that's how he started. And that's what I felt I could do. And eventually I got on SNL, but as a featured player, and they weren't making shorts at that point like that. So uh, that was uh, what I'd hoped I would be able to do. And so your SNL
9: experience then was a little frustrating because you weren't being able to do what you wanted to do there, as you
4: say. So. Well, I felt like I just wasn't that good at it. I've never been great at being a live performer. It's always made me nervous. I love doing takes and having a chance to do it over and over again. And so I tried, but then at the same time, there was this opportunity from the thing I'd been doing with Jeff Kahn to do an MTV show where we could do it that way. And so I made that choice. And so that you knew when you were leaving SNL after whatever it
9: was, just a few weeks, right? That that (laughs) Six weeks. Six weeks. (laughs) Has anyone else ever elected to leave SNL that? I don't think it was a brilliant move.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It it was very complicated at the time because there was that MTV opportunity. I had gotten like little parts, like, like next of kin Mm -hmm. movies. And I was really trying to figure out how to go forward. And I thought that that I would do better in that arena, but, um, I don't think anybody did. And, you know, for years it was, you know, I regretted it too, because it was a chance to be, part of that but I think instinctually I knew that I was never going to be great like Will Ferrell or someone like that who's just brilliant at, at doing SNL So can you connect the dots from leaving
9: SNL to do the show at MTV to how that show I guess with the same name, The Ben Stiller Show, evolves very, very creative. the creative <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> well Yeah, Stiller show. Outside the box, yes <laughs> uh, But MTV is basically on the basis of your short film saying we want you to do a show of short films essentially so it was there for
4: a short while then it goes to fox for a short while and right it was a two or three year process that that happened and it was a transitional time at mtv where they were just starting to do original programming which some they had never done that before they just shown videos and so what they first started doing was showing videos within shows that had some sort of a framework where so it would be half videos and half show. And they did this thing called It's Your Hour where they'd let somebody do their own thing. So they gave Jeff and I that hour. And we came up with the idea for a half-hour show that was really only like 12 minutes probably of sketches that would sort of bookend videos and somehow try to work the videos into the sketches, which was a little awkward and clumsy, but it was a chance to do a show. So it was kind of a behind-the-scenes of the Ben Stiller show was the idea of the show. And we did, I think, 12 or 13 episodes of it. And from that, Fox Network, uh, they saw it, and Chris Albrecht at HBO Productions started to develop it with us. And we tried for—it took a couple of years, and eventually it got to a point where we got, were able to make a pilot for Fox. And at that point, I had met Judd Apatow. I was going
9: to just ask, so, that, so he was not—nothing to do with MTV one, but in between MTV and Fox, you guys
4: meet and say, you know, we have a similar vision? yeah we were developing this show with hbo for fox and it was we were sort of hitting a brick wall with it and i met judd out here because i started to spend more time out here and he was doing stand-up and i'm pretty sure we met online at an elvis costello unplugged taping and we just connected and he was from new york i was from new york and i said i'm trying to get this show going and and maybe you could get involved and i I don't know why i thought that i didn't even know him right it was like a (laughs) short time officer yeah like knew what he was doing (laughs) and from that we were able to get the pilot picked up at fox which it took a i think three tries on the pilot in terms of how we presented the show and so the writers included you judd david cross bob
9: odenkirk cast as you odenkirk Andy Dick, janine garofalo who you would work with several more times reality bites and all sorts of stuff but it has truly like a cult-like following and i wonder if you can pinpoint what made it unique why people connect so much with it i know there's very funny stuff sort of impersonating tony robbins and tom cruise and all kinds of stuff but you know judd has said quote, people talk about improv in my movies, but it all comes from me watching Ben work on that show, close quote.
4: What was it that made that show special? I don't know, honestly, but I think maybe it was the freedom that we had because there was really nothing on the line for us other than we had an opportunity to do a show. And it was at a time when Fox was just starting up. So it didn't feel like we were under any sort of microscope. We just, and we, and I think it's that thing of also youth where you don't have a sense of what you can't do. And then it was, you know, kind of organic too. It was, it was sort of just like, oh, you know, Judd would be great and Janine's really funny because we'd see Janine do stand-up and I met Andy Dick when I was in Chicago uh, around the same time I met Jeff Kahn and you know That's he just seemed like it was just sort of like calling up people we knew and said hey we're you know we're trying to do this show and do you want to be a part of it and David Cross came out because he was a friend of Janine's and she said oh, I know this really funny guy David is in Boston and so you know we um we just were and, and then we just kind of thought Let's just do what's funny. And then very early on there were discussions with the network. The network had no idea what we were up to. We barely knew what we were up to. <laughs> and I remember Judd being very good at going head to head with the network early on, you know, twenty six right, years old, right. just like, you know, going at it and uh protecting the show and we just were having fun. I mean it was a really short period of time too. Well, so were you surprised when
9: it was canceled after you know relatively short time and then also were you surprised when post
4: cancellation you guys went a writing emmy it must have been bittersweet yeah it was you know we were so happy to be on the air by the time we got on the air that i really don't feel that it wasn't like a sad thing when we got canceled i think we were surprised that we'd even been on the air that long (laughs) we were up against 60 minutes i mean it was you know We were just happy to be there. And so when it was over, it was... I also remember feeling really at the edge of our limit in terms of actually producing the show because we had to keep on generating sketches and I remember like the ratio of sketches that we would throw out or we'd make a sketch and go you know what that's not really good enough we started starting to get higher and higher so there was like, maybe a little bit of relief right. and then the Emmy was totally out of the blue so that was the most surprising thing of all. Right. so I guess the one immediate thing
9: that became possible after that show went away is that now you get an opportunity to direct a feature from Pro First Reality banks, which just to Contextualize It premiered at Sundance Just a few years after Slacker And, and when The New York Times Reviewed Reality Bites They wrote Quote This film is Slacker Without the slackness Intentionally commercial And breezily entertaining Close quote It's you also Acting in a film You've directed For the first time Of course And it's basically Like a, a yuppie TV exec Who loses White on a rider Or two weeks Hawk If I remember All the yes. So So What's it like having to both act and direct simultaneously? I got the sense that you've done it a few
4: times, but you don't particularly enjoy doing both at the same time. Yeah, I never felt like it's the easiest thing to do or the best way to make a movie, but it was kind of from the beginning, the way that, really from the beginning, like even those short films, that, you know, what I was doing and. His own cottage star a
8: wife in this tear-dimmed eye, and now he waits for his own dear son upon the scaffold high. My race is run beneath the sun. shore, and the wind did, did whistle, and the water did roar, I heard some fair maiden give a pitiful cry, and it sounded so Oh, so high, say. You You wounded my heart. Go away from me, William, and leave me alone, for I'm just a poor girl, and a long ways from
7: home. (sighs)
8: i yeah.
3: Gonna miss me every day. Friends, I know you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Wanna be morning bright and sad. Angels coming, gonna say, Lord, friends, I know you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Oh, go when I'm gone.